Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is the one, other only, well, there might be more, I don't know, Trevor Scott. There are a couple more. Yeah. You search there, there's on a Facebook. famous writer, there's a famous, um, like, NFL player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably the least, the, I know, the, least, the least important. The least famous, the least Googleable. Yeah. I, uh, the only other one for my, the main other one for my name is there's like a BMX rider in the UK uh, called Benslinger, and he usually pops up at the top of a Google search. I thought, I thought it was you. I just thought that you, <laughs> while you were living in Canada, that you just went just um, a little bit crazy across the pond. After, after you divorced, you just <laughs> went and became a BMX rider, and then you just for a little while. Then you went back into no, no, into Canada. Got the dad bod back and had some babies. And <laughs> well, I've I've somewhat got the dad bod now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like 16Ks down. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some click pitch. Do you want to tell the listening audience what click pitch is? No. Well, then fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can do that. Uh, so, click pitch is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. On the count of three, two, one click, we click refresh. We take those words, we throw them at each other, we come up with a game design, then we throw it away. Yeah. And we start all over again. That's pretty much it. So, let's pretty, jump pretty right concise. into that uh, game like, get a bit game wet. <laughs> get wet. Get wet. <laughs> three, two, one click. <laughs> Angel. Currency. Well, my mind immediately actually went to Angel as in the, of, of the title, you know, the, the, the lead title of the same, of the show with the same name, spin off from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, just because, I don't know, have we ever done a Buffy game? Maybe, but not many. No. Um, whereas my mind went to what if there was, there was a character who came across a strange coin in the street? Okay. Picked it up and there was a strange aura around it. it looked like it had like little halo or something like that. <laughs> okay. And um it turns out that it's it's actual angel currency. So currency right. of the angels. Yeah. Was never supposed to have made it down onto Earth, but um one of the angels who's down here sort of um Oh, I was gonna say I was gonna say, is it next to a dead body with a head wound and it literally fell like someone dropped it from heaven? <laughs> <laughs> and it um, I, was, I was sort of thinking that it, that it sort of just came out of someone's wallet. but um, Right. Oh, wait, who keeps coins in their wallet? Come on. Nobody actually does that, right? Change pocket. Then. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just think that that could um, have some good, cool repercussions in the fact that uh, maybe maybe this character, by having this coin, is getting extremely lucky. There's some, yeah, look, there's some narrative juice there. Uh, when you said When you said that- that the coin has an aura, I immediately thought that- Oh, has a halo. I immediately thought that one side has a halo, a halo, and then you flip it over and it, like, has these little floating, like, devil horns. Um, and and that by flipping it, you somehow, you know, either make a moral, you know, decision. Basically, like, basically a conscience coin. Uh, but that was just- I liked the visual of it. Yep. I, I kind of like the idea that maybe, maybe this thing is asserting some some influence on the on the world and the character, um, in the fact that like he's getting somewhat corrupted by it. Well, you know what? Let's- and, and as he's using it, like it's it's gradually turning from a halo to like it's kind of getting thorn, like thorny looking things until finally it turns into a full on devil horns. <laughs> um. As the corruption I, of his I, soul. I don't, I don't of- mind that. I I feel like we've been doing a lot of narrative stuff lately. And look, a lot of it's been really good. But I wouldn't mind heading down just a more mechanically interesting place. And so what I was sort of thinking is it'd be it'd be quite interesting to try to come up with a game where flipping a coin is like one of your main, if not only, methods of interaction. And that it's literally random, like the as in the game. It's not that at a certain point of the story you'll always flip yourself. Like it's the game has to respond to the coin flip. Um, now, whether that is through some sort of narrative thing 
or if if we could sort of come up with something that's a bit more procedural um, where there are systems in place to kind of respond to the results of a coin flip in certain contexts. And so, what sort of what sort of um, view are you talking? Uh, I was thinking first person uh, for some reason. I just kind of like mm-hmm. that idea of, of seeing the, you know, maybe you're almost always. It's like I was almost I was almost picturing it as an FPS, but all you've got is the coin. <laughs> Um, Flipping it into angels' faces. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Well, no. This is the thing. It's it's not about like literally hurting people with it. It's that somehow this co- this coin has the power to like make a decision and make and 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 you don't actually have the power to choose that decision, but whichever side it lands on, like it affects that decision in some way. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know. Like a first person, but more of a kind of I don't know. Walk around and. I mean, I guess it comes down to the sorts of decisions that, that can be made. And what sort of decisions can be made? <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking about and <laughs> leaving up to you to hope that you'll jump in with something. Do I push this person in front of this speeding taxi? Well, see, yes. this is- And this is our problem with- This is our problem with, with heading down too many narrative routes because it, it does become very hard to, to, like, actually push interesting mechanics into it then. Um, and as much as I like the world-building stuff that we do- Sometimes it's fun to to think of of how you know of how you could make a game powered by just coin flips. <laughs> <laughs> but when we're when we're spending the whole time going um 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 and not actually coming up with anything, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when we throw it away and three to one click. Because I reckon we're going to have to do that. Whereas with a narrative, we could have gone further. Well, I wasn't feeling the <laughs> just narrative saying. either. So. <laughs> And you've been listening to the last <laughs> last episode Jesus. of Bitstorm as we we decide that we can't work any any longer with each other as we're we've had a good run. 123 episodes. Yeah, that was it. Whatever it is. The last one. Alright. Three to one click. Three to one click. Fountain. Bean. Bean fountain. Game done. It speaks for itself. <laughs> uh bean fountain. Okay, so I've got an idea. All right. You're a pitcher. You're a pitcher. Okay. A pitcher, as oh, in a baseball pitcher. Okay. You're not like um, hanging on a wall somewhere. <laughs> that could be its own interesting little mechanic, but no. Okay, go on. Um, it's somewhat a first-person shooter in the fact that you you go around and throw baseballs at people. Okay. Um, i.e. bean balls. Yeah. Um. And to add a little narrative hook, mm-hmm. you're looking for the fountain of youth. <laughs> so, okay. All right. I'll yes and that. Uh, <laughs> so, you're a baseball player looking for the fountain of youth. Uh, how, like, how far down the, 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 sh- the sort of first person shooter combat ish stuff do we want to go? Are you literally just kind of running around throwing baseballs at people, or is that more of a, a few and far between kind of. Um, Action. Well, I think the reason why he's looking for the Fountain of Youth is because his shoulder's actually shot. Okay. And he thinks that by drinking from this fountain, that he, had, like, he will regain really his strength. Heyday. Of- and, yeah. Yeah. Because, um, like a lot of professional sportsmen out there, he didn't have a backup. Yeah. So, he's 29 and he's fucked his shoulder. <laughs> um, no, we can make him a bit older than that. Is he? Is he like a- Sort of a, a well-known baseball player from back in the day, or is he someone who like sort of came up to the major leagues, but then did his shoulder in it and like didn't go very far? And he, and he's yeah, I, li- I like that sort of that sort of character. You're one that didn't quite make it all the way. So it's not about having been stupid with the money, just that his one big shot at the big time to make all the money. Um, yeah, like got cut of- short. Got cut short, so he's- So, is this recently after that then, or is this like 40 years later, and now he's sort of trying to undo his biggest regret of of fucking up that chance? Yeah, I kind of like the idea that it is that 40 years later, mm-hmm. so being able to, you know, find that fountain of youth, get get to be a bit younger. Um, I'm kind of getting an up vibe, like Pixar. Yeah. Just that so- sort of- old guy going off on an adventure maybe his partner has just died like so i'm he's- picturing that it starts out and 
literally the character's just bagging groceries. He's got like the vest on and he's basically been a bag boy mm-hmm. at a um at a grocery because it's it's you know how far how far he's fallen. And well, then, and it doesn't even like, necessarily have to be a bad thing. It's just this is where he ended up. Yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't he didn't have any any skills to um to do much else. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think it should be like oh, look at this depressing old man begging groceries. I think, you know, he's probably kind of cheery. He gets along with his co-workers. Like, he enjoys his job. But maybe there's something that triggers- Or maybe it's just he- uh, Like, something gives him the direction that- To the Fountain of Youth. Like, he's he's going to- Something sets him off on this quest, and he realizes, oh, I could find the Fountain of Youth, and what's my biggest regret? Not being able to play Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think in, in a sort of like an up way that- uh, I think one of the, one of the um, you can keep on going back to some some things about when he was younger and and just play little little snippets of of like um, like vignettes sort of thing mm. of when he was younger and just sort of put out there that there was a like his his older brother or 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 something like that was actually out there searching for it um, right and then. You know, one day he sees this younger guy come up to him and say, "Brother, remember me? You know, I found Ooh, the family. Okay. Come with me." And then, you know, they they sort of go off on this journey together. Oh, so they're I'm together. picturing because right. I was thinking so because uh, just to, just to take it back a sec, um, yeah, it could be interesting to go full on Pixar up style, and you kind of the prologue is you play through sections of his life. Um, so you get a few little vignettes where you do get to play baseball, like as you're sort of, um, rising through the ranks and you see the celebrations of the team and you see yourself get, uh, you know, whatever, um, drafted into a, I don't know how it works, drafted into a, um, into a major league baseball team, but baseball team. And then you sort of see the big downfall of, you know, doctors telling you that you'll never play baseball again. And the sadness that comes with that, but then it like sort of builds up again as you, you know, make the most of the rest of your life and you just become a real kind of family man. And, you know, maybe you do. Yeah. Like, and, and within this, you sort of get introduced to, to the brother who, who is off there, who is off there. Just like the the family thinks he's off there. Just, you know, being an idiot, right? Like, and they don't, they don't believe that the fountain of youth exists. They think he's chasing a dream. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, he, you know, gets married and maybe has some kids or maybe not, depending on how we how we want to go. But and then you like drop that fucking hammer again and his partner dies. And that's when the sort of real game starts is you've just seen the his, his super content life as, yeah, like a bagger at a grocery store and he loves his work and whatever. But now it's just like gray and everything sucks and- He's sad and it's horrible. And by now the the players are bawling. Mm-hmm. And then you finally give him the hope of and I'm gonna find the fountain of youth. So I think when you get to this, um I think it's a it's an island in the Pacific. Okay. Um and there's some sort of there's some sort of like um like boat or plane crash that happens on on the way. So you sort of you're you're sort of stranded on the on the outskirts of the island. Yep. Separated from your from your brother, all you've got is a baseball bat and a whole heap of balls. <laughs> They're the only weapons that you sort of get. Why did you bring them? <laughs> Just for nostalgia's sake. Um, I I think like it was. It just so happens that like your brother had had you know given you given you the the lucky baseball bat that you gave him early on earlier on in the um in the prologue. Yep. Oh, I like so the idea that there's clue, like that he's, yeah. You gave him that baseball bat after you know after your injury, and you're sort of the only one who supported him on his ridiculous quest. Yeah, uh, and it, and it's become his like it's become his lucky baseball bat, and he's got all sorts of like inscriptions and stuff all over it. Like he's written notes on it and scratched them into it, and yeah. and they're going to be clues for how to you know follow it and and get there. So I'm picturing a first person sort of thing. Yeah, and when you when sure. you sort of get to the island, it's kind of not quite a survival game as such, but um, I do like the idea that you you know that you're not the only one on this island, mm-hmm. and 
the clues are a bit few and far between. It's almost like an open world sort of thing. So almost a bit of a yeah, like like I guess like those survival games. Maybe not the full on. You're gonna die if you don't collect all the wood and food and whatever in the area. But it is more. Are, are you? How do you think you're having to like build up a bit of a shelter and a bit of a sort um, of home I, base? I'm thinking that. You, you do need some sort of a home base, mm-hmm. but it's not one of those things that, you know, your hunger's continually going down and you need to- Yeah. Need to find the clean water and that sort of stuff, but- But maybe you've got like a day-night cycle with some, you know, some enemies also, some some challenges on a, on a sort of day-to-day game loop yep. while you're at the same time, like, tracking down these clues and having them so revealed I'm, in different I'm ways. So, I'm picturing that- um, one thing that I that I keep on missing in all these games, and what I'd love them to have is like realistic beard physics. Um, <laughs> in the fact that depending on how much time goes in the day depends on how much the beard actually grows. Okay, and if you so, shave, like you can choose you, to shave or not. If you've been able to find something to shave, and therefore you've been able to find a mirror, mm-hmm. then you can shave. But other than that, like. As you go, like, your beard's going to gradually grow longer and your if hair's you going to grow longer. A, if you don't have a mirror, how do you even know since it's first person? Exactly. <laughs> I love the idea that for whatever reason you manage to avoid finding any reflective surface for the first half of the game. And the and the bit, you know, you, you finally find a mirror and you realize that the beard is just down to your belly button. Well, it's just could, been could you imagine, like- um, your character is actually in shock when they see themselves for the first time with, like, this massive beard. And they're like, wow, I knew it was there. And they can make sort of mention of, you know, like- I love the idea. You talk oh, about- I, I you got food about, in my beard. You talk about beard <laughs> physics. So, like, once it sort of gets long enough, you see, like, your shadow. And, you know, you've kind of got that <laughs> waving around there. And once it gets really long, like, you can look down and you'll see it kind of on your chest. Uh <laughs> Um, um, what 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 I really like about that is is just um, too often in games uh, you, is your character just completely f- clean shaven all the way through, and it's like no 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 if they if they're there and they're there for X number of days yeah like as the day night cycle is going your beard's going to get longer and so your hair's going to get ratty couple, and uh, there are a couple that did it I, I know Red Dead Redemption Two had had very specific beard growing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, and on a more simplistic level, don't starve, which is uh, a, a very hardcore survival sort of sort of game in that way, uh, does have beard growing for certain characters, and you can then shave the beard and use those clippings for recipes. Oh, <laughs> um, I think you can make like a beard right. hat or something. Uh, no, okay, so how much does the baseball like pitching? Come into the gameplay. Like, is this your main method of defense from predators? At the well, I, I think um, the baseball bat and the and the balls are, are literally the only thing that you you have at the start. So you kind of have to get really good at, at defending yourself by throwing balls at at um, animals and mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's somewhat you got to be careful with that bat, given we've established it's also all the clues. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to snap the bat. Yeah. So they shouldn't just be beating wild animals with it. Yeah, I I, I do kind of like the idea that um, if if you're not careful, like what what could actually happen at, at the end of the first third of the game is that the bat breaks mm-hmm. and and you lose like a vital clue through the through wear and tear. Well, and, that, and maybe then the only way to 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 continue is it's like oh now I really have to find my brother who up to this point like has been lost on the mm-hmm. island. Um, because, you know, you, you were going to be like, well, I'll just meet him there. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I kind of like the idea then that, uh, like he was, the main character was a pitcher when we said that. Um, but maybe part of, part of the way the brother convinced you is he had like a balm or something made from the waters of the fountain of youth. And that lets rubbed you- into your shoulder. Yeah, like and- that for a, for a temporary amount of time- gives you your old, like, throwback. It gives you your pitching arm back. <laughs> it's a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> a throwback to, your th- to throwing, to getting your throwback. It's a throwback to Far Cry 1. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so you can, like, you can fucking do damage with that, that, that thing now, then, right? You're, like, firing balls at 150 kilometers an hour or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that could actually- you've got a limited supply. Yeah. And you've got to go collect them if you've- 
you know, well, you've got, well, you you've got a limited supply of bowls, but you've also got a limited supply of the balm. Um, that you know, otherwise, you, you, your shoulder injury resets itself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do kind of like the idea that this whole fountain of youth thing is is one of these things that it's only temporary. Oh, um, okay. So, if if you actually um, when you see your brother later on, he's kind of aged, old. Mm-hmm. Um, he's back to his normal age, and it. Turns out that you know spending too much time away from the from the fountain of youth is actually, um, you know, it re- it reverses the effects because it's it's not just a one time thing. You yeah. have to you have to keep drinking from it or keep you have to keep drinking from it, and yeah. it becomes almost like a an addiction sort of thing. So it's it's also almost talking about that. Um, you know, this would be kind of performance enhancing and and the decision mm. to to actually live live his life the way he is. At the end, would yeah, actually well, be quite I kind a, of like the idea that, thing. that the brother also becomes the antagonist then, because he wanted he wants you know, to stay young, wants, whereas wants to stay young and wants wants to be with his brother forever. Yeah, something. whereas your character decides like, no, it's not worth it. Um, basically, yeah, I, I like you know I I could imagine this having some almost Far Cry esque um, exploration. Yeah, know, I could either. see that. I could see that. Um, I guess it comes the whole down to- it's sort of open and it's, um, you know, maybe 5Ks across sort of thing. But I guess to, it comes to down to what your kind of main game loop is as well. Like, yeah. uh, is, is the main sort of challenge in this game, do you have to- Is the player literally having to figure out the clues? Like, is this almost a puzzle game where you're not really giving them- You know, you're not giving them- um, markers on where to go, quest markers. If they've just got this island in front of them and they have to look at this bat and find landmarks and decode certain things and, you know, as they as they progress and do unlock, you know, uh, solve some of the clues and you, you can set up, you know, bases closer to, to where they are and, and that sort of thing. But it's actually about <laughs> learning the landscape and figuring out the landmarks and figuring out the clues. Uh, when you said bases, I started thinking about like you could have set up first base, oh God, and bases. second base, and third base, <laughs> and home base. <laughs> well, I like the idea that well, that can be even one of the puzzles, or like yeah. I, I just like the idea now that the Phantom Youth was right near the start, right at you know you had to go all the way around and go all right at home base. All the different oh, yeah. bases. We can definitely throw base, some like- good <laughs> baseball Easter eggs in there. Um, so I'm thinking when you first arrive on the island, you sort of. Like, there's this beach that sort of spans, you know, a good, you know, 300, 400 metres that you're on. Yeah. And then you, it turns out that you're actually within, like, a valley sort of thing. So, there's almost impassable cliffs around. Okay. So, the start of the game, you're in sort of like this almost tutorial area that you've got to work out the clues to to be able to, you know, get out and climb climb the mountains in this certain one area by, by basically piecing together a couple of clues. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of opens up the next sort of area that you can sort of explore and you're going through these two different areas now. And then yeah, that yeah. opens up to the next one. Um, and then you realise- quadrants of the- And um, then you realise that the it's mountain a, sort of thing. Yeah. It's a baseball diamond. Um, yeah, well, I, I do like that idea then of just- of, of having it almost be a survival slash puzzle game. Mm-hmm. Um where, yeah, the, the day-to-day is just, oh, well, you know, I've got this specific puzzle that I'm trying to solve or this aspect of, of the clue. So, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, make a trek over to this part of the island to with my telescope to view this from a certain angle to see that it matches up with this other thing or whatever, and that's going to point me in the right direction or, you know, point me to the gap in the, yeah, in the cliffs that, that has a trail going up <clears throat> to get to the next- like to get to the next part, um, yeah. but but I like I do like the idea of not like making that easy on the player. Like it's just them solving the clues. Yeah, and, and maybe even highlighting parts of the of the clues on the bat to make it easier to to actually see. Okay, this is the clue that I'm sort of looking at now. That my character's sort of honing in to say, oh yeah, this is this is the particular um, clue that I need to be focused on right now. No, that's giving them too much. Just give them a bat with crap all over it and see what, and an open world, <laughs> and they can find their way to the end. <laughs> all right. Oh, good. Three to a click. Yep. Feed. Stale. <laughs> um, I mean, that makes me think of feeding birds or ducks. 
because that's who you generally feed, like, stale bread to or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be- or my mind's heading towards, and this is just stream of consciousness. I don't have an outcome here. Um, heading towards, like, can we do some sort of competitive, say, like, catch competitive game where you're throwing, you're having to, like, pull back and throw bread into a lake. Um, like, the controls are sort of almost golf style, right? Like, you, you, aim, you aim your direction. You, you hit a button to start your arm swinging back. You hit it again to, to like launch it forward. And, and if you get it perfect, you'll get a really good, a really good shot. And well, I mean, you could make it as simple as you're just trying to feed as many ducks. You're trying to feed more ducks than the other person. But, <laughs> but then you add things in like if you like, you add power-ups and stuff like you can, if you feed a duck the certain, you know, certain type of bread, then it fucking hulks out and, and, and kills some of the other ducks or like scares <laughs> no, them off or whatever. They can't come closer a certain while so you can get more bread in that time. Um, maybe, you know, you, you've got ways to make them go faster or to, to bring more ducks in so you've got more chance of your ducks or of your bread. Or, or well, that's it. Maybe like the bread can split up and. Do you see where I'm now, going? Now I'm trying. Now I'm trying to think of how would the Twitch inter- integration actually work with this, because I know for a fact that um, our friend Calgar would jump at the f- at the chance of being able to play this game. <laughs> it's true. He does have a, a full on sexual duck fetish. Um, <laughs> that is totally what it's about. I'm sure of it. <laughs> sure, Twitch integration. I mean, that could be around. Maybe they can vote to send- Maybe it's not just ducks, right? Maybe they can vote to send in a fucking swan uh, and you get more points if the swan eats your bread. Uh, uh, and and it could be- You could do things like, you know, changing the size of the piece of bread you tear off means you can either throw it further or- <laughs> Or you, you can crush ducks with it. <laughs> like, yeah, you could- That's it. You've got a loaf and you choose you how much- You choose how, how much you want to tear off. And it could be just this whole thing, and you just throw it. Unfortunately, Jesus ducks can't Christ. eat it. You know, you, so, but if a pelican comes along, then maybe it can take a whole loaf of bread, and you're going to get a lot of points. So, I'm I'm sort of seeing in my head like um, a story mode that's sort of happening alongside this. Okay. Um. So I, I'm love I'm loving the competitive sort of nature about it, like these. Um, I'm seeing these like in in a four player catch co-op game. Mm-hmm. You you got the four old timers who are yep. who are all like trying to trying to get the most ducks around their around their place because they're lonely. Sure, but you I'm could thinking have a, you the single pigeon mode too. Yeah, I'm 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 seeing in like the single player version. It's oh. basically about this about this friendship that that gets started by by the ducks. Okay, and and the the, the whole idea about you know, trying to trying to feed the ducks and all this sort of stuff is to try and try and get the attention of this of this other of this the other duck lord of no of this other <laughs> of this other person. Then then you basically it's the only thing that you're um the only thing that you seem to have in common. But is, you know, you, right? Okay, okay. You're lonely and you just want a friend. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I could I could see that happening. So it's, the basic mechanics stay the same. Of the more ducks eat your bread. The higher, po- like the more points you get, but yep. as that's going on, you know you're having these discussions with this other person who sits by the lake with you every day as well. You know, it gets closer and closer every day as you become friends. Yeah, uh, until the Dark Lord deems to <laughs> deems to, 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 to bless you with his with its presence and uh, and give you a boon, which is uh, a friend. Yeah, but the the worst part is that you work out that the Duck Lord is actually the Dark Lord, um, and like happens to have possessed all the other all the other ducks, and then it just becomes like a a first person shooter sort of thing. Well, no, then it, it, I don't think the mechanics change. I think then you're just giving them like poison, magical <laughs> death bread. <laughs> Three to one click. The Dark Duck Lord. <laughs> the Duck Duck Lord. Duck, duck, goose, Lord. Bin. Translator. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, there are, there are a few ways we could go with this. Uh, because it's sort of language-based, I'm, th- I'm thinking we stay away from uh, coming up with, with mechanics around that because it's always so sort of iffy. Yeah. So I'm thinking this is a game where, in a similar vein to, to the last one almost, you're making a friend. But yep. you don't- each of you, you don't speak the same language, uh, and and the way that you meet this person, the per- the time that you see them, is when you're putting your bins out, or like or when you're taking th- putting things out in the bin. Uh, and I think you live sort of like in maybe an apartment, like apartment complex, or like a duplex just, or something. Just be careful here because I'm getting a little bit of a stalker vibe. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying when you happen to be out there throwing something in your outside garbage bin, you know when you live when you live in like. Apartments or, or like yeah, like a duplex or something, right? Like there's a bunch of people along there, and you 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 just walk outside to put something in your bin. Mm-hmm. And when your paths happen to cross with this other person, you sort of start off by just you know nodding and whatever, and you try to talk to them, and you realize oh we don't speak the same language, but you start getting a sense of who they are by what they're putting in their bin. And I'm not saying you search through their bin. <laughs> okay, I'm Can saying I it's put a little, little wrinkle on this. All right. The reason why you don't speak the same language okay. is because you're from different planets. Okay, sure. Um, this is set in like an intergalactic hub sort of thing. Yep. Um, and just the idea of um, you happen to see that, you know, they like the same sort of food that you like. They they like all these different things that your oh, character- you, you like glob jobs too? They're my favourite. And and then, you know, the idea of having having like a um, a friendship sort of- Almost start to start to blossom from from this similar sort of stuff, but but it's very otherworldly. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I think that's an interesting direction we could take it, and I like the I like the idea of it's still just this kind of almost like suburban uh, sort of feel to it, right? Yeah. Um, but it just happens to be that you are two different species of of alien, and if you look in the sky, you see you know three moons. Depending on the time of month, yep, between one and three moons, <laughs> um, different, different, different sort of hue to the color based yeah, on. I, that. I can, I can sort of see that. There, yes, you can see three moons, but the planet actually has fourteen. It's just that you only ever see three, to, three at once at max. Well, I think they're just they're just the close ones, right, or the biggest ones. Yeah, the other ones are, are kind of small and and. Yeah, you know, I know. I'm, I'm sort of seeing like. Again, one one of the things I I do like sort of that um uh, that I keep on bringing up every now and again anyway is like this other other story of something bigger happening in the world. Um, maybe, maybe although sort of for for this I was kind just of- on on newspapers and that sort of stuff. It's not like it's on on the background on the TV or something like that, but right, just, really subtle. Just subtle. Um maybe it could just be that like because I think it starts it starts with the bins. But you don't have to. It doesn't have to be that. Literally, every um, every interaction with this other person is is over the bins. It's just no. It's that's the beginning of your friendship. Up, you start it's like up the mail. It's um, yeah, and you start like you know, just hanging out. Like maybe you're both sitting on your respective porches, looking up at the moons and the space battles that are occurring around, you know, uh, Plexiflon B, the second moon. Uh, and I've got to say, that's, that, that's a really cool name. How did you come up with Plexiform? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's the medication I'm taking currently. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I pulled it out. Yeah, like, and, that can, and there you go. That can be your kind of background politics stuff going on. There's just these, like, giant space battles going on. But you're just- Yeah, the, you're the, in the, suburbs. the people from Plexiform A don't like the people from Plexiform C, and Plexiform B is just in the middle. Yeah, that's it. You're on Plexiform B. Um and you're just watching, yeah. You, you sort of see that happening in the background, uh, but yeah, I, I kind of like the idea then that that it's just this friendship that gets established throughout these. And I think that I think the the gameplay can actually be quite simple. I'm almost getting a um, Florence vibe, yeah, where yeah. you're just sort of you're just sort of doing these little interactions to to move this relationship forward. Uh, I like that, and it may not even be. It may be very linear. Like you could put some some different um, some different branches and stuff in there if you wanted. But I think it's just telling this story of 
of this friendship and they never speak, right? They never communicate outside of looks and, you know, gift giving and, and view, watching the other person and, and seeing what they're doing. Yeah. Getting a sense of yeah. their life. I, I'm, I'm almost getting a sense of like, I haven't actually played the games, but I kind of see this as almost like a animal crossing sort of thing as well in the fact mm-hmm. that. You know, you, it's all about the, the relationship here, but it's also about some other things that you can set up about your character, about, um, you know, things that you, you may actually like, that you can actually go out and sort of have some sort of influence on your character. Mm. But that yeah, gets sure. like, look, the, reflected we- in, in what your new friend actually also happens to like as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could put some- You wouldn't want to go full on kind of having, having to manage your whole, your whole day- in a no. way, I don't think, but but yeah, you've got kind of some little tasks to to do each day um, to sort of keep your life moving forward. And you know, part of those tasks, or maybe when you finish those tasks, it's like, oh, now I get to like, I'm going to go out on the porch and see what the neighbor is doing. J- Jeremy, just <laughs> <laughs> a very alien name on this world. You know, it's very strange. <laughs> I kind of like the the idea that Jeremy is is actually from like Alpha Centauri or something like that. Um, well, it's, it's spelled G E R apostrophe M E E, but it is pronounced Jeremy. With <laughs> <laughs> a very flat um, accent. <laughs> so I, I just I really want to I really want to see like the interface between these characters is all just gestures. Like you got the eye roll, you've got um, you know, smizing of you know the smiling <laughs> yeah. with your eyes. <laughs> sure, yeah, you can point at things. You can, you know, give I, a. I, I kind of like the a, idea of this being a, a point up. and click, and what you're actually doing is you're you're telling the character where to point <laughs> with the mouse button. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it could be interesting to to have some actual interactions there with with having to gesture like that, where you yeah, literally it's pointing at this and then pointing at that and having, you know, seeing if, if your friend can understand what you're trying to, trying to have them do or tell them. And they also have, have some things in which, you know, they point at something and then they point at their belly and you think, oh, they eat um, comic books. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. You also find out a lot about their species. Uh, oh, God. And how many, actually, uh, you know. Kind of cool and Mouths funny. they have. Yeah, I like it. That's cool. All right, so what you want to click? Chip. Editor. <laughs> Sorry, that, <laughs> my mind immediately went to some sort of interface where you're literally, like, creating, like, uh, uh, potato chips and setting the, you know, the the ruffle amount. And, and the, how parabolic how they, are. they are. Yeah, like the- all the, all the algorithms that go into determining the chip. Um, that could, that could be right. We can, we can run with that. Could be about then how, you know, how well they the sell. Thickness, the of, thinness. Yeah. How, how thick you cut the potato beforehand. Like, are they baked? Are they fried? What's the seasoning? How much seasoning? How many times do you fry them? Do you, are they twice fried? Yeah. yeah so you get that Quintuple nice. baked, twice fried. Uh, half seasoned, <laughs> half seasoned <laughs> chickpea fries, chickpea chips. <laughs> Could oh, you, it doesn't have to just be potatoes. Uh, Corn chips, sweet potato. Sweet potato uh, what I would do for some sweet potato fries right about now. Just a bowl of them. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've got nowhere else to go with that. That's just awesome. All right, three, two, one, click. That was the game. That's all we needed. Export. Save. <laughs> it's just a fucking word processor. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, okay. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. So, I'm picturing this is in a sci-fi sort of sort of thing. Okay. Um, we may have actually gone down this route before, but I, I don't know. Uh, I like the idea that your neighbour, um. Like you haven't you haven't seen her her husband around for a while, okay. And and you you start like asking her what what she sort of does for a living and that sort of stuff. And she um she sort of tells you about her her job in in like 
cryostasis and all this sort of stuff, and you start getting getting a little bit of a a um an idea that maybe something has happened to her so, husband. Some shift is going on. Um, but what's actually happened is he had like I don't know terminal cancer or something like that, and mm-hmm. she um she's actually just like exported his his psyche on, into into like an AI. Okay. Sort of thing, and it's it's almost a um just just a story that uh, I, I'm sort of seeing it almost like uh, your character thinks that there's something a lot more sinister sort of going on, a la your hello neighbor sort of thing, mm. and just finding out about you know this horrible thing that's happened to this um to this couple, and she's sort of done something, yeah. you know, that's somewhat out of the ordinary, but is actually just. Perfectly uh, moral and and like yeah to to help her husband yeah and, yeah so I know I'm almost a rear a rear view um, rear window rear window sort of um, feel to it yeah okay I, this this does feel a little bit like some we've we've kind of done in the past but I think it's I think it's different enough and I think the sci-fi kind of AI thing is interesting yeah. um, gameplay wise I'm I'm almost picturing are you like is there a bit of kind of kind of Orwell like you're hacking into her stuff and 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 getting access to some of her emails and uh, computer files and that sort of thing and, and figuring out yeah. through that what's going on? Um, that and then there's like an action sequence in which you're sneaking through a house and that sort of stuff, but you've got basically her whole house is automated. Right. Okay. So you're having to like hack hack into door systems and things. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I like that. Uh, yeah, it's this espionage game where there's literally nothing yeah, untoward going on. <laughs> that's the yeah. That's it, what you find out. But obviously, you you know that that gives you a nice narrative uh, arc for, for nice what narrative this hook doing. to sort of come in and and say, yep, this this sort of stuff is actually going on. Um, you know, in mysterious circumstances, um, this guy has gone missing. Yeah. Uh, one night, you you saw her dragging like what looked to be a body down the stairs and out into out into the back of her her truck, sort of thing. Yeah. And, when you track you know, it down, it was actually just like a ton of cables and stuff that was required to to like upload his consciousness at the you know the right quality into the computer. Well, because then I like the idea that as you get closer and closer to finding out what's happening, you literally like find the consciousness and start talking to it. And maybe you don't realize at first that it's literally in a, like the husband within the computer. Yep. May, uh, whether you think you're literally talking to the husband and you found him and you're like, where, like, where has she got you? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm in her apartment. <laughs> uh, I kind of like the idea that some of the hacking things that you actually do, you can actually damage the, um, the AI. Oh God. That's um, kind of, that's harsh. Yeah, that, in, that gives you the bad you know, ending, though. Not- you finally find out. You finally find out what happened, and that she was just trying to save the consciousness of her husband. And through your snooping, you have like given him brain damage. <laughs> but what I'm thinking is, you know, you really have to fuck up every every little mini game and that sort of stuff. But you can you can do irreparable damage to this um to this AI, mm. um, because I think at first like the AI doesn't have like the brain power, and as she puts more. Um, electronics in, like she can, she can get it sort of, um, you know, getting a little bit more personality and a little bit more personality until mm. finally, you know, it becomes this sentient sort of artificial intelligence. Yeah, that's cool. It kind of it slowly picks up more and more of the raw data that she managed to export from her husband's brain, but it kind of can't use it until she's built it up enough to the point where it can can sort of access it all at once and, and actually be a sentient being. Uh, yeah. I- but then, but then, yeah, you, you've obviously got things like, why is this woman next door? Like, you get access to her freaking shipping shipping receipts and stuff. It's like she's getting all of this hardcore tech coming in, and oh, just just also like she's getting um she's getting a like the power bill at, um uh, yeah. accidentally gets delivered to you. You open it up, and it's like this massive massive power bill. Yeah, that um you know it sounds like she's you know got some some crazy scientific experiments going on in her house and all this sort of mm. stuff. But in really in reality she's, you know, exporting um, you know, petabytes of data out of this guy's brain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
I kind of, I'm almost getting a, a gone home-ish vibe where, you know, a lot of it's maybe done in, in first person and you are just kind of picking up. There's a lot of world building done just by all the objects in the world. Uh, and, and as things, you know, like, yeah, oh, the mail's arrived. Oh, hey, wait a sec. This is, you know, for the next door. Okay, open it up. Like, check it out. You can kind of rotate it around in your hands and read it. It's not, you know, it's just giving you the player this, this information that you can kind of do with what you will. Yeah. Um, but obviously it's driving you towards there's something sinister going on next door. Uh, and like Gone Home, spoiler, spoiler, like it's sort of, there's a bit of a, a twist into something a bit more wholesome. Um, you know, I kind of like the idea that maybe you, well, maybe again, maybe you get a bad ending where if you really like, <laughs> if you really get immoral and fuck with this woman's stuff, she's just, she hates you because you've, ba- you basically killed her husband, um, through your meddling. But mm-hmm. there's a good ending where you kind of just subtly figure out what's going on and, and, and also start talking to her more. And, and well, once you find out what's happening, you sort of make friends with her. And Well, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it in the, husband, like the vein yeah. of tonight. It's, it's a lot about friendship and the fact that you thought one thing, but it turns out that this, um, this woman is actually, you know, trying to save the memory of her husband and, and you know- yeah, fulfill his fulfill his dying wish. This has been a very to- like friendshipful episode, hasn't it? Yeah, Trevor, it I forgive you for those first fucking terrible games. It's okay. <laughs> we were both <laughs> at fault. We can be friends again. We can keep the podcast going. <laughs> I think we can. All right. Um, before we f- uh, finish off with another one, yeah, I want to pitch something at you. Okay. Is it a baseball? No. So on a podcast a little while ago, mm-hmm. I heard this story. Um, I haven't seen the trailer for this thing at all. Um, okay, but there was there was a I think a show on Netflix about the Winchester Mansion. Okay, have you heard about this? No, this thing? no. It was a my brother, my brother, and me um, thing that they. Oh wait, uh, all right. Go explain further because I, I I do now vaguely remember. Yeah, yes, so the Winchester I, Mansion yeah. is basically um, the owners. Owned um, owners of this mansion owned like the Winchester rifle, um, or the the guns the com- um, yeah. company. Yeah, and the uh, the husband kept on adding rooms to this to this mansion, mm-hmm. and basically making it bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, as as the um, as the wife basically, I, I think it supposedly she had like a mental illness and all this sort of stuff, and she was haunted by. Um, by all all the victims of of like gun violence and that sort of stuff, but I, I'm just picturing this this idea of this sprawling mansion and having sort of like a ghost story within within this mansion. Okay, um, kind of just weird, like higgledy piggledy rooms, sort of all meshed together. That um, sort of I know I I could see it almost staying. Some of the rooms like move around a little bit, a la like cube. If you remember, yes, the movie Cube, where things sort of moved around, I, I kind of see it that way that you that you could really fuck with you, the perceptions of of like this thing in the mansion. Mm. Um, so what sort I've of been watching a lot of Ghostbusters because my son is really <laughs> into it right now. So I'm sort of getting this idea of this ghost slash the Winchester Mansion slash like um, you know ha- having to having to try and find uh, find a little. A, a little girl who got lost in the in the mansion on the tour or something like that. All right, I that's an interesting uh, interesting idea. I I kind of want to take it because because for a mansion like that, for all that weird just sort of stuff, I I kind of want to. I'd rather be responsible for building it than exploring it. Or maybe it could be a kind of asymmetrical multiplayer sort of thing, where one person gets to build this fucked up mansion, <laughs> and the other person <laughs> has to find their way through it. Uh, in in some sort of to, to reach some sort of goal, um, or or yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of just getting this vibe of being <laughs> basically like build this house in extra dimensional space because you can like fit a larger room into a small closet and this <laughs> like shift them around as people move through it, and you can just say, okay, well, this door actually connects to this door over here on the other side of the house. Just to completely fuck with the people who are inside and, and their their sense of location, you know. Uh, I, I like the idea that it's kind of like a fucked up version of Super Mario Maker. Yeah, yeah. In the fact that yes, you can create a um a, a closet right here, and in this closet you can have a ballroom, 
And that ballroom can be then connected to all these other rooms that then connect to the closet beside the original closet that you moved into. <laughs> yes. But there has to be a way to get in and find the goal and get out. Um, oh, God. I'm, I'm just picturing, like, how- Like, there's got to be some other things that you can put into this room to, to make it somewhat- right, so, so, let's go like- let's go down this path, yeah, of, of building a haunted house, right? And- I'm picturing controls that let you do things like set triggers to, you know, when when a person walks through this doorway, the chandelier shakes and, you know, the a ghostly form appears in the mirror. Uh, and that's a kind of- that's a pretty minor- you know, that's a pretty minor thing. Maybe you've got a certain amount of, like, ectoplasm and you can use mm-hmm. it to do things like fit- yeah, fit larger spaces into small- you know, into into places they shouldn't otherwise be able to exist, or connect one door to to somewhere physically impossible elsewhere in the house, um, and, and and that it really comes down to using those using that ghostly resource to to do these fucked up things. You know what I really want to give give the um the designer the chance to do mm-hmm. write scripts. As in, okay. like, sort of like your your Lua scripting or your or your um your Python scripting. Yeah. That basically, they then have like a full um, system in that they can they can add you know their own um, uh, graphics and that sort of stuff in. Um, well, I think and you own could models. go. I feel like like yeah, you could do that, but at that point, you're almost just giving them a cut down game engine, uh, yeah. and you may be limiting the accessibility of it. But I do like the idea of. Giving them- or, or like a Steam Workshop sort of thing. Well, that- yeah. And I'm, well, I'm almost thinking giving them a visual scripting language where it's not full on Lua or Python or whatever, but yep. you can you can set up scripts with loops or if if this then that you know based on based on triggers based on almost a almost a very basic version of like Blueprint for Unreal Engine or something as well. Like you're kind of just hooking these nodes together. Yep. In relatively simple ways, but it gives you a lot more control over over what you can then what you can then do, and it and you can then just like write arbitrary things on the mirror in blood as they appear out of nowhere. You know, when when after the toilets flush three times and waters, I don't know, you know, whatever. You can do all sorts of different things, and yes, I do like the idea then, and maybe that is the more Steam Workshop ish aspect of it. Is more advanced people can bring in new objects that you can then kind of download and use in your levels. Yeah, uh, I'm seeing them as being curated rather than, you know, people being able to put, you know, dildos. And- yeah. Yeah. Although in the right situation, you, yeah, I think you could have a legitimate use for a haunted Ooh, dildo. Spooky dildo. <laughs> <laughs> I am the it's dildo and glowing. of future's past. I don't know. <laughs> don't stick me there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but I, I kind of like that idea of. And then I guess I guess it's just about the challenge of because what's going to be the goal of these? Is it just kind of find an artifact and get out, or is it um, bust the ghost? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think it's kind of like if you think about Super Mario Maker, there's um, there's a start and there's an end, and basically it's up to the um, up to the person who's doing it as to what the what the sort of goal is, whether it's what a, the wind destroy the is. boss, whether it's yeah. a you know just get to the end. Um, You've got a time limit to sort of get out, or you know, does mm. does this one want to seem more like a puzzle sort of thing? Yeah, that's you know, interesting. You- having different wind conditions, because then you could have very different types of ones. You could have ones where people are literally building up puzzles um, to, to make your way through it. You could have some where you're attacked and you get health and you have to be able to hide or, or you know avoid actual beings um, that that are in the level. You could have ones that are just a, a kind of narrative thing that you, you do just sort of find your way through, walk through. You, you've got a bit of a, almost a gone home-esque thing then. But because they've got that control over the scripting stuff, they can full-on, like, you know, write a letter or whatever that's sitting there on the on the counter and, and have things that that, are f- that give you a, a real narrative aspect. Like, you, you've watched um, The Haunting of Hill House. Yes, I'm picturing like a scene almost like in the sixth episode where um like there there's a scene where you sort of see um the father coming coming along in the mi- in the middle at, 
upstairs mm-hmm. where he's he's looking for the for the wife and then she he turns around and there she is sort of he was she was just in front of him but now she's behind him so he turns around and follows her, her around goes around finds a dead end and she's not there and it's like yeah. he turns around and there she is again just being able to set up scripting like that and yeah exactly and just um i can imagine people you know making something like the um the pt mm. game uh the that trailer that came yeah, out was the, the, the kojima Kill. kojima one wasn't it yeah um, um, I can see people being able to make things like that, while other people will will have it more like a goofy sort of uh, spook Ghostbusters sort of thing. Or yeah, yeah, for sure. Having things jump out and no, I, I like that. I like this kind of haunted housemaker um, <laughs> idea. And, and there are there are a lot of different things you could do with it, while still keeping it to the constraints of ghostly stuff. You know. Um, I like the idea that every single level starts out the same in that you walk into like this huge mansion and it's just like the same the same old looking looking entrance entrance hall. Mm-hmm. But then as you open up the doors to the sides, like things are totally different every yeah, single maybe. time. Yeah, I maybe. Don't, I don't know that you want to necessarily given given that that we've been talking about how much freedom they'd have limit them to the one entrance, but maybe you get set themed Entrances or something, right? Like you've got the or you've the giant got like mansion. seven entrances to seven entrances to choose from, depending on whether you want an upstairs area at the start or whether you want other things happening. Well, and I'm just thinking, do we want to limit it to a mansion? Like maybe they just want to walk into a kitchen of someone's house. <laughs> so in this but game, still be you able walk, to do into, you walk into stuff. a two bedroom apartment. Yeah, well, that can be spooky shit in the two bedroom apartment. Dildos. That's the way that comes in. <laughs> It's your mum's apartment, and you found a dildo. Oh, no. That's scary. No, it's whatever. <laughs> Is there something Parents you want to tell the audience? Because <laughs> Parents did, have healthy- whatever. That's Did you find something in your parents' bedroom that you shouldn't have been recently. looking at? Not <laughs> recently. Uh, th- sure, let's do one more. Okay. Three, let's two, do one, one final. Click a pitch. Three, two, one, click. Fuss. Junior. Okay. I'm trying to think of like a character, mm-hmm. like a. I'm I'm seeing this as a as like a a kid's brand or something like that. But okay, um, the character's name is sort of like a SpongeBobby sort of character, but it's named Fuss Junior. Fuss Junior. Yep. Um, just trying to think whether whether this secretly character is- Fuss stands for fucked up short sailor. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like. <laughs> That's only known to the writers of this actual kids, um, yep. kids show. So <laughs> Fuss Junior is like the child of us of um, of a pirate captain. Okay. Yep. Uh, and has I guess like while his father is out is is pillaging, then Fuss Junior has his own little adventures with his friends on the boat. Kind of you see the pillaging happening in the background. Of the story. Yep. Um, but it's sort of this, like, like Muppet Babies kind of thing where, like, you just sort of know that the adults are there, but this is the story of the children on this planet. Okay. So, <laughs> well, Fuss what I'm Jr. is, is Octopus Pals or something. I don't know. Fuss Jr. is, is sort of like this um, childish sort of sort of character. Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't really get to meet the father till close to the end. Okay. Um, but I, I like the idea that- these these young kids sort of um you know go on this adventure with Fuss Junior and and you know he sort of takes them off to to see these um see these magical things where there's lots of uh you know singing and dancing and adventures to be had mm-hmm. but um when when the father sort of comes in 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 the late <laughs> end up end to game like pick up come and pick up Fuss Junior yeah and also he, loot the team. He, re- <laughs> he realizes, you know, you know, they, these kids have sort of been brought under the spell of his fucked up short sailor. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I'm seeing that this childlike mind is actually, you know, sort of like not perverted as such, but um, malevolent. Yeah, yeah. And, and and basically has has gradually been stealing these kids' souls. Sure. Sure. Because it's got to be fucked up in some way. Yeah, of course. So, uh, the father doesn't realise this, or or is this part he of- He doesn't like- realise that, that Fuss Jr. has actually <coughs> escaped the hold in, on his ship. Okay. Okay. So, the, so, the father has a son who was cursed 
by some sort of sea devil. Yep. Uh, doesn't know what to do. Keeps him uh, locked up in the hold below deck as he as he pillages across the seven seas. Uh, and these stories are of when Fast Junior gets out. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it like an ongoing thing? It's like, oh, Fast Junior got out again. Uh, or is this like more of a story arc sort of thing where this is the first episode um, and it starts off as, oh, it's this fun loving uh, kid. And, but, but yeah, like the sort of twist at the end of the first episode is, oh, actually, no, he's like perverting their souls and turning them into demons. Uh, and the father now has to stop them and the, the rest of the. I'm so sorry, I, think, I know you said it's like a kid's show. We probably there. should make a game, not an actual kid's yeah, show, but. But I, I'm, I'm seeing it almost like, um, almost like a sort of a, a point and click adventure, but sort of dumbed down a little bit. But. Mm-hmm. One of the things is we we make sure the ratings are, are quite hefty so that um, people know that this is an adult game, not a not a kids game. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Rated MA for you know strong adult themes and uh, extreme strong, violence, extreme <laughs> strong gore and violence and uh, strong explicit language. Yeah, um, th- there's like that scene um, in the second third of the of the um, of the second act. Where, like, Fuss Junior just starts swearing like ad nauseum. <laughs> sure, like, why not? He's a fucked up short sailor. Uh, what else would you do? He's got a potty mouth. Um, so, Fuss Senior, though, <laughs> um, friendly, unusual, uh, unusual sailor, sh- um, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm just now thinking, how the hell? How the hell does he pillage all these things? But he's friendly. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't say it was like morally correct. He just does it with a smile on his face. So I'm going to be stealing all the all your shit right now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got a smile on my face. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> As he leaves, please come again. <laughs> Oh, I will. <laughs> um, Shut up, Fuss Junior. <laughs> oh, God. This is going off the- Proverbial rails. Off the sails. Uh, so, I don't know. How does- Is it just- Because are you playing as Fuss Junior, or do you does it switch over to Fuss Senior once you sort of make this- um, uh, Have this, uh, this twist- I kind of do like the idea that you you start off playing Fuss Junior and you and you're thinking that you're doing the right thing by by you know getting these kids to come on this adventure with you. Yeah, you like really bring them into a cave you- where it's like we're going to find some treasure, kids, and uh, and then like it switches over to the view at the end of that first act of as Fuss Senior gets there and just sees all these children with like demonic eyes like tearing into oh, a Jesus the body Christ. of a bear or something. Blood can, can you tell that we're we're actually parents and <laughs> my kids eat bears all the time with demonic red eyes? Don't yours? Isn't yours? No, he hasn't been doing it lately. But you know, oh, he's a bit older. He's, yeah, he's a bit older. He might grow out of it. Has lost some teeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, make sure to um, boil them in in uh, vinegar and bury them under a sunflower, or you know that those teeth will grow into. Uh, vicious beings of of dark portent, uh, as all children's teeth do. <laughs> yes, but that's why the tooth fairy. I mean, the tooth fairy comes and does that for you. But, well, yeah, but it's nice to do. You know, pr- prepare them for her. That's a yeah, really. You, I like that. Now, can we a- can we do that game where the what? tooth fairy is like? <laughs> A malevolent being? No, no, or- no. She's no. she's like trying to fight the forces of these demonic children that, that she knows their teeth are going to like grow into into these bestial fucking- Okay, this is your turn to pitch a game at me. Gods. Go. Tell, tell me what this is. <laughs> I, don't know the, I don't know the game. I mean, you could play Tooth Fairy, I guess, but I, I just like the world building of that. that no, the- keep going, keep going. Well, that, that, uh, that's, that's it. The Tooth Fairy has to come. Deal with these teeth. If she misses a house, then like everyone in the house is going to die because the teeth are going to are going to sprout legs and okay, their so own teeth, teeth on I, teeth. I, I'm picturing that in the um 
in this in this world like mm-hmm. the tooth fairy was um was given this sacred this sacred duty from from her parents yeah in that she must um save the world's children against um against the the ravenous teeth monsters that yeah the teeth fiends they, yeah the teeth fiends who grow from child's teeth mm-hmm. it's a sacred what duty actually- that's passed down generation to generation I think what actually happens in the middle of this game is, you know, everything's going along quite nicely, but one kid didn't put put out their teeth in a um in like a glass of water or whatever. They they lost the tooth on the on the playground. Yep. And just um like the parents didn't think to actually put something out. So the tooth fairy was never notified. Mm-hmm. And now the next the next morning, shit's gone down and she's she's now gotta try and Totally. Um, yeah, she's now fighting fucking teeth fiends. Um, teeth fiends. But what teeth fiends actually do is they go and rip teeth out of kids' mouths and mouths. create more teeth fiends. Yes. So, what sort of game is this? I'm kind of picturing- This could just be a- This could just be the backstory to a pretty cool, like, two, 2.5D side-scrolling kind of shooting shooting game or something. Yep. Where you've got, like, a net, I don't know, to grab them, and then you mm-hmm. can do some sort of- magical attacks because you can't just destroy them. You can't just destroy the teeth. You have to like knock their limbs off. Yeah. And basically um, revert them back into-, into Revert them back to actual teeth so you can then put into, them through into the, the, teeth the nullifying form. process to, to melt them down um, into uh, Twinkies because that's where Twinkies come from. <laughs> Ground up children's teeth. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks oh, for joining us this week on Bitstorm. It was it was a very friendly episode to start with, but we did end on demonic children having their teeth pulled out by other teeth. Uh, if you want to find us online, the best place to go is podchaser.com slash Bitstorm. All of our social media videos and other stuff is up there. Uh, check mm-hmm. us out. We're also at 8bit.net slash bitstorm because we are part of the 8-Bit Collective, a fantastic network of other Australian podcasts about gaming and other things. A bunch of great people. We all sort of support each other and it's awesome. Talking about Australian podcasts who support each other, the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network is an awesome place that you can find us and a lot of other like-minded individuals. Um, just a, a general network that- that likes to try and help each other out. Search for hashtag AGPN. Look for the user AGP Network on Twitter. Or look for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. Finally, we'd like to say thank you to our band, Kuradust, for allowing us to use the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure for our opening and closing theme. Yeah. So, thanks again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And wait, are you from- Plexiphon A? No, I'm Plexiphon D. Oh, okay, that's good. I would have had to kill you. 